0: Here we go, my name's Todd This is Kathy Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio This is podcast number 702 Why listen to Zen Parenting? Because you'll feel outstanding if you do And always remember our motto Which is the best predictor of a child's well-being Is in fact a parent's self-understanding On today's show we have two wonderful guests We have been on their podcast, is that Mm -hmm. right sweetie? I believe so um, mm-hmm. Michelle Anderson and Lauren yeah. Massarella. Did I pronounce that right, Lauren?
1: Did no, nailed thank it.
0: Thank you.
2: Massarella, Masserella.
0: and they're local. They uh, they're somewhere in Chicagoland because we ran into Michelle at uh, the coffee shop.
1: We right. did Grey Market. Remember, Remember that? Sweetie? Sweetie? But you two are in Downers Grove, right? Lagrange. Oh. I'm in Lagrange Park, and Lauren's in Chicago. Oh, okay. you're in Chicago. I'm yeah. yeah, I'm right by Rush Hospital. Yeah. Uh, why did I think Downers Grove? Is Duffy from Downers Grove?
2: No. Okay. We like Downer's we, Grove, we, though. We,
1: have a, we hang out there a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, right?
3: Like, we, we have guys there. We love it. Our grandma used to live there. Yeah. <laughs> See,
1: we're all connected. I drive by it all you, the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So... We'll post everything that Michelle and Lauren do on, uh, in the show notes, but their main website is the sister
1: So I want to start talking about Michelle and Lauren, because I was told, I don't know, it was like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, um, by a woman who was doing my eyebrows my friend, Jen. And she was, it might've even been longer ago, but she, we were talking about Zen parenting and she's like, well, you listen to the sister project, don't you? And I was like, I I don't know, do I? I'm like, I don't, tell me about it. She's like, everybody in Elmhurst listens to them. Everybody oh, loves them. And I was like, and she's Thanks like, sure. and they're, you know, they're in the Chicago suburbs. You would love them. You know, That's it's all, it's deep, but it's humor. It's accessible. It's cozy. And so I obviously started listening and then, you know, got in touch with them right away. And we've been in connection. But the two things that I want to share right off the bat. Real
0: quick, how many podcasts have you guys, how long have you guys been doing it for? Any idea how many podcasts you've done? Just out of curiosity? Yeah,
1: 235. Oh, 235. We've been doing it for two years. Awesome. And over <laughs> two. And Todd, they are podcasters, but they have a whole business. So, I'm, and after I'm done saying this, I want to let them talk about what they do because, like we were saying before we started, you can't do like a simple bio on Michelle and Lauren. Like you know, there's there's so many layers to what they do. But the two things that they that you guys need to know is number one, when we get into your HugA content, which is all about the cozy things that you sell. Um, my daughter, Skylar, which you both know, this loves you both. And she doesn't have Instagram anymore. She got rid of it a couple of years ago because she was Good like, uh, right. Oh she's like, I yeah. applaud that. I know she still does TikTok and snap, but she's like, Insta, I gotta get off. And she will grab totter my phone to look at Instagram for two reasons, Taylor Swift and you two. Wow. Oh my yeah. God. God. Yeah. Taylor Swift. I know. I so know the two of right you. Now. I know.
3: I compliment.
1: I know. She Love has. you, Skylar. <laughs> she, and she loves you. Um, she's a big hookah girl as well, and I'll have you two Amazing. explain what that is. And then the other thing that we're going to talk about today um, that I wanted to tell you is that um, and Michelle and Lauren know this, but, you know, and I guess everyone on Zen Parenting does too, but my mom passed away about six weeks ago, and um, the day that she passed away, These were the people I emailed or texted right away. My friend Liz and Laura, who I grew up with, who lived in my neighborhood and knew my mom, who I only see maybe once a year, but they were the first people I wanted to know. And then I emailed Michelle and Lauren because their mom died of dementia Mm -hmm. also. And that was, those were the four people that I got in touch with in the first hour. So, um, you know, it just tells you what an impact their work has had on, I just know they understand Um, and that's, you know, that's the coziest thing around ladies. Do you know what I mean? When you, gosh, right. Yeah. When you put it that way, grief can be cozy and loss
2: when you know the outlets and the people who maybe can understand where you're coming from. Yes. Um, I've never really thought about that in that way, the way you just put it, but you are absolutely right. During loss, you do need that kind of support and it can come in that cozy kind of way.
1: Yes. I needed like a warm blanket of people who weren't going to, who, and I think, you know, I, I I think I got Michelle's email back first, but you know, right away you like swore and you're like F this and you just knew exactly what I needed to hear. Like, I don't need a bunch of you know the things we say to each other which it's are very meant kind to be. it's right she's in
2: a better place yeah. none oh, of that
1: f- that. No, f- oh. that sucks it's bad. it's hard yeah. process so hopefully we'll talk about all of that but now I want to turn yes. it over to whichever one of you want to start just tell mm-hmm. us about how you started and all the directions you've gone sure you let me take it Sure well, I mean, yeah. thing
2: well this was michelle's um brainchild she came up with this idea to work together and to create something we didn't know what um years ago and we settled on the sister project on a lifestyle blog because it was about that time when there were like a lot of blogs out there i mean there are millions. Um, But we were really inspired by them to how um, individuals were showing their lives and sharing what inspired them, what influenced them, uh, what kind of lifestyle that they led. And we're not fashion bloggers. (laughs) We're not, (laughs) you know, we we don't live in these big, fancy homes. And we're going to tell you how to buy the most expensive custom made furniture for your home, we're going to tell you how to love the home that you live in. Mm -hmm. And we're going to inspire you to slow down. Um, We live in a very fast paced world where uh, busy is like a badge of honor. And as busy as we are, me as a new mom, Michelle as a mom of twins, mm-hmm. aunt, what'd you say? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like we knew exactly what we wanted to share with the community that we have built. And it started out as a place for us to share our lifestyle, which I mentioned, which is um, a cozy kind of lifestyle, but it has much more impact than that. We wanted to share what slowing down and being more mindful and embracing the smaller moments can do to your whole mindset and your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you mentioned with your daughter, Skylar, who got off of Instagram it's just a, it's a, like a competition. It is a comparison show. And we know we don't, no one's like competing or comparing themselves with others because we want them to come in and feel like they belong here, that this is like a second cozy home in the internet space. And while we were doing this, our mom, June was diagnosed with FTD, um, which is the same type of dementia that Bruce Willis was just recently diagnosed with. So we began to share our journey there and Having June fall ill to this horrific disease really gave Michelle and I an opportunity to share our grief as we were losing her as a person who was still alive, but we were losing all aspects of June. Which I know, Kathy, you can relate to, mm-hmm. um, and all listeners out there who've ever been um, become known anyone with any sort of cognitive impairment. And while we were able to do that, um, we built a really lovely community of people who not only had individuals who um, had fallen ill with dementia or Alzheimer's, but just loss in general, mm-hmm. a mom, a sister, um, uh, anybody who you can imagine. So we created this space of cozy, but also a place where if you're feeling like because you've lost someone, you can also come over here too. And then over the years, we decided to share everything. So we shared, shared, our, I shared personal um details of my infertility struggle, um, IVF and endometriosis, which I'm really passionate about sharing because I was kind of blown off by doctors for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then um, over time, Michelle and I, oh, actually during the pandemic, Michelle and I would talk, like all of us, we would find someone to talk to because we were so bored at home. <laughs> and we were having these really fun conversations and and also sad ones and also just real
3: ones, sister real one. conversations. Lauren and like, I have amazing nice. conversations. That's, that's how the podcast started. We were and like, yeah, we not having these conversations in a mic that we can stream somewhere because everybody needs to hear these conversations. Yeah. And it was a kind of
2: conversation where it's like, well, what sisters do we share everything. We joke, just not boyfriends, mm-hmm. but we do share um, everything
3: sure. <laughs> or underwear. We share, well, maybe shared underwear a couple of times. <laughs> so gross, but it's
2: true. That's what sisters do. But we would share like, what are you watching? Our what time. are you reading? <laughs> what are you listening to? And then we would share like the struggles that we're going through. And then we would share like, okay, so we're struggling a little bit. What are you doing to keep yourself like, at an even balanced homeostasis. And that is when Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project was born because we wanted to be like that sister from a different mister for our listeners. And it's We've gotten really popular and we're really grateful for our listeners and anyone who swings by for a visit and for a cozy chat that we're having. We have a blast, even when times are tough and we're talking yeah. about the serious stuff. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. Oh, and we have a cozy candle line yes. called Cozy AF and they stink so freaking good. Um, they are soy and coconut wax, a crackling wooden candle or wick rather, and we are seasonal. So just like the seasons, we that's where our scents are inspired by. And we have a new summer scent coming out um April May
1: so we're really 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 excited about it but I'm going to go back to the candle really quick and then I want to hear from Michelle too um, so you know going back to Skylar um, the candle is a big part of our lives so it's the there I called the cozy AF candle is that what it's called okay yep. so you know keeping my I'm not swearing Todd but, no, but use your imagination Yeah, right <laughs> Okay, so yeah, here we go. it's stands for and fun. Yeah, it's yeah. so and fun. And fun. What I tell. And the thing. So these are the things for everybody who loves candles. Here's the. Here are the things that you know we love. And if Skyler was here, she'd be like, "Yeah, these are the things I love, Mama." And I'm like, "I know, but now I love them because of you." Number one, the wick is. What do you guys? What do you call that wick? It's a wooden wick a wooden wick. So it crackles everybody when you light it. So it has a sound. So you get the feeling again, these women are cozy, like, and I I'm an, I hope Michelle will talk about huga and what that means, because yeah. this is like all part of the stuff. And then the smell is like, your room will smell good, but you are not overpowered because that's where I struggle Mm-mm. with candles. I get I get migraines. I have smell sensitivities. I smell everything. As all of my children and my husband will tell you, it's a problem. But your candles do not give me headaches.
2: Well, that's
1: wonderful news. Well, no. one
0: one quick thing, sweetie, um, you said it crackles when you light it. It crackles. It sustains the oh, crackle. Oh, sorry. So yes, and it's weird because I'm not yeah. a candle guy at all. Uh, but when those suckers are on, I always like put my <laughs> ear to it, and I think it's also important to note we have no business relationship with sisters. No. like, we just like them. So yeah. we're not getting something if you guys buy a candle. So I just, if I were on the other end of this podcast, I'd be like, all right, Todd and Kathy are promoting these two sisters and they're going to get a cut of it. That's not true. We no, just no, happen- to
1: purchase the candles with our money. Yeah. and they're, It's <laughs> worth it. True. Thank it's, you. It's we, we, your support.
0: We just happen to love who they are and what they do.
1: Yes. So, uh, so, so feelings mutual. So Michelle talk, talk about, yeah. you know, first of all, you can go a million different directions, but will you explain what hygge means and how it's spelled and, and why yeah. you use that?
3: Sure. Um, hygge is a Danish term and it means the, the art of cozy living or uh, cozy contentment. And basically what hygge is, and it's, uh, well, it's, a. It, pardon me, guys, I have like brain fog right now. I know. Now Michelle
1: cause... was sick yesterday, everybody, and she oh, still sick. showed up today. So I'm very impressed with her stamina. Oh my God.
3: Thanks, guys. Um, but it's all about creating the moment, you know, uh, and for us, like, for example, the candle, you know, like when people think of huga or cozy, um, they, you know, you immediately think about like comfy socks and cozy blankets and all these things. Yeah, those things are all great. And they add to this experience to this moment. But that's really not what it is. It's about this feeling that you get. It's about creating this this experience, Oh, I thought, Lauren, I thought you were getting ready to. (laughs) (laughs) It's about creating this experience. And so for us, the candles was just like an arm, an extension of what we do because we were raised in a home. We often joke that we were raised by candlelight, like Mm. there were no lights on in our house. We ate dinner in the dark. (laughs) Mom burned candles 24 hours a day the pumpkin scent would go on the counter when like September one hit. And that's how it was like, we all knew, okay, fall is here. Let's celebrate. Mm. And that's the other thing um, that we, Lauren and I really like to inspire is leaning into the four seasons. And um, you know, because we live in the Midwest and I mean, I I, I wish that all Midwesterners love living in the Midwest and love the winter. But the fact is, is there are some folks out there that just absolutely dread it and hate it. And like, it's become sort of a mission of ours to help people flip the script on that whole aspect, because the fact is you can't change it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, winter is coming and maybe it'll snow. Maybe it won't. We don't know, but we want to inspire people to, um, to embrace whatever season it's in and like lean into it and get out there. And, and what happens is, is when you do lean into those things and you do embrace them, you start to notice and you start to enjoy and then all of a sudden you start to shed these feelings of like disdain, disdain and like unwanting because you're like, oh my, your eyes are open and you're present and you're living in it and it's just a lovely feeling. Mm. Mm. That is so- I, can, I was just gonna piggyback off that if that's okay because we talked about the four seasons a lot and as
2: we were discussing earlier, we also want people to like lean into the seasons of life. And mm. there are so many And especially being women, there are a lot of physical and, you know, biological changes. So, for us, it's important for us to share the ups and downs of life, because if you can kind of look at them from an outside perspective, and then lean into this kind of cozy lifestyle, this huga lifestyle, which we did borrow from the Danes, that is a very Danish, it's a Danish lifestyle and term. But we were Michelle and I have always observed um, the, the, the Scandinavian way of life, they are just the happiest people, literally, they are, they are, top charting the happiest people in the world for obvious reasons, because they lean into the seasons again, the natural ones, but also the seasons of life. And then they create this more um, mindful moment for themselves. So when they are going through the ups and downs, specifically the downs and what Michelle and I have learned is that when you can create a home that you feel really comfortable in and have those resources of really delicious food, have the close people that you can call upon to come over and visit and yeah, wrap yourself in a blanket, read a book, light a candle those seasons of life, um, they go they pass you a little differently.
1: They do. And it's so filled with self-love and self-compassion. Tons. You know? Yes, it just it everything the two of you are saying, it just blends so beautifully into all these other aspects of life and how We, you know, just, I'm so with you about the seasons. You know, I grew up in DeKalb, Illinois, and then I went to school in Iowa, and then I came back to Chicago, and now I'm in Elmhurst. I love the four seasons. Like, Mm. I love sun, too, and I love to travel to warm places, all good. But, I mean, to walk outside when it's snowing, what's that Norwegian word that your sister always uses? Is that it? If you dress appropriately?
2: yeah oh, very good. It's Presolutees live it's um there's it's no such thing
0: living. as I, will, I and maybe we're talking about the same thing we're talking about different, yeah, but are. the mm-hmm. Norwegians say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing, so in they other words, yeah. you Correct. can' go outside any doesn't matter as long as you're dressed for it there's Absolutely. no, whereas you know i'm I'm as lazy as the next person, <laughs> and um, I'd be like I can't go, out, it's too cold, but really that's such a weak statement like. We all have winter jackets, we have socks, we can get the hand warmers, up. like we can do anything yes. to appreciate the outdoors in the winter in Chicago, yet most of us, including me, choose not to do that.
2: But, and going outside is so good for your mental health, yes. which is why we're so adamant about sharing that message too, because like science has proved that stepping away from your devices, getting out from a seated position and walking outside can actually reduce your stress levels.
1: Yes. And those smells, like this is where I get into all my sensitivities. Like when I walk, when it's really cold, actually for a uh, Christmas a few years ago, Todd and I got these big, we call them the woolies. It's just something you put on. I'm sure you, you two like probably a big, have something. huge
0: wearable blanket yeah it's like you know yeah. it's really warm it's
1: one of those things where you just put the hood up you don't have to you can put your hands it's like in there snuggie. a snuggie it's basically yeah. a snuggie and we just started walking outside and the smells i'm like childhood childhood because in childhood you weren't worried about going out in the snow you oh, were like living in it you wanted to go I out were like wanted feels to. the
3: feel <laughs> yeah
1: and you out. would get cold and then come in and get warm which is the mm-hmm. you know there's this and and so i'm going to go even a, a layer deeper ladies because i know you do this too to have even the discomfort of like having those, it can be uncomfortable sometimes. But then you can come back and find comfort again. I think so many of us are afraid of discomfort, discomfort, and mm-hmm. so we don't then get the joy and the experience of. Re, you know, it's just like you were saying, seasons of life, stages of life. We just we're so adamant about not having. Sweetie,
0: a does change. that mean you're going to start taking cold showers like some of my friends no, do?
1: I'm not going to. Do I do. That. Do <laughs> I you? Try. At the end of every
2: shower, my husband and I, not together, but sometimes we'd take a polar (laughs) plunge and he rips on me because I'm like maxing at like 15 seconds. And he's like, it's two, three minutes, but it's so invigorating it it like changes. I feel like it, it, I get like rushed with creative energy mm-hmm. and I feel more alive. It's a really rejuvenating. How, I
0: highly recommend out it. Out of 10 showers you take, how many of them do you do the cold at the end? Every single one or is it? Half
2: Every cold? single one. And I particularly love it most during the winter, which is very strange. but. It makes me feel like I'm a Scandinavian at heart. Yes, that's awesome.
1: (laughs) That is so, well, I mean, see, and here's the thing. You are not going to do it. Here's the thing. Do it. I I know. (laughs) So I'm like going like this because Todd, you know, Todd's part of this, or he's the executive director of this men's group, and they do a lot of things to push Mm -hmm. themselves. And I love all that. But there's a lot of like, okay, so let me go this way. Have you, have you, have the two of you seen the show Alone, where people like go and live? No, but I know. I know exactly what it is, right? What is is the show? Hang on. Maybe
0: they put 10 different outdoors people out in the middle of the wilderness, usually in the month of November, somewhere in Canada. And they give them 10 items that they can bring with, and they record themselves. They video record themselves. They do video diaries every day. And whoever can stay out in the wilderness, the longest gets $500,000 and oh, yeah. it is kathy and i happen to be you know at the end of the last season we didn't watch them all but we i just picked up on this one and it's the opposite of hooga like it is <laughs> embracing and there these people seem to be for the most part really happy and there's no bed there's no pillows there's no they're they have to go hunt their own food like it's one big ball of discomfort yet they human beings are so fascinating so anyway sweetie that's why did you want to go to the alone
1: so I just think and again this is where we have to like respect different people's ways because I think we're all trying to reach the same thing right a sense of peace and alignment and connection to ourselves and and I just sometimes look at some people and I feel like the way that they do it is they go through a lot of pain and stress mm-hmm. or they inflict it on themselves to get to a place and I think what I've learned from Todd because Todd's one of those people like a polar plunge guy or you know they'll like get into what those things you did where it get really hot in the not just hot yoga but like we're sweats, like sweats, you yeah. know, there, yeah. a lot of things like that. And I totally understand why I don't question that it works, but I feel like so much of my life has been, I'm so sensitive already. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That I try mm-hmm. not to inflict any more on myself, <laughs> comfort, comfort, mm-hmm. exactly. So yep. it's like, it's less about a right way and a wrong way and more about, I'm trying to respect different well, ways. And if
0: I could put words in your mouth, sweetie, life is sometimes hard enough. Yes. Why are we going to put more on <laughs> yes. there? Yes.
1: I say uh, to the alone people, you know, they're eating muskrats and squirrels and then they're starving for five days. I'm like, people like, go to the grocery store. Just and go home. Go home. <laughs> go home. <laughs> <laughs> go home. Quit. Lauren, honestly, home. do you know how many times I say that in my head as I'm cause like, because they're like, I won't give up. They're vomiting. They're, I'm like, why oh, won't oh. you give up? Um, it reminds me of like Lord of the Flies. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask this question. and Then I, I do want to, you know, switch gears. But so Michelle, you have how many kids? I have twins, 14 year old twins, Will and Mia. Will and Mia, 14 years old. Okay. And then um Lauren, you have your daughter, Luna, who is now how old? She's eight months. She's eight, eight months. months. And do mm-hmm. you, I, I know I've been reading about your journey, uh, you know, since Luna has been born. And so I know a lot more and I don't know where you want to go, but do you want to share anything about that? Like, you know, is that experience just so people know they can find this information? Yes. I will tell you this. If you are on the, um,
2: like the, I'm not sure if I want to have kids or not make sure, you know, it is utter bananas having a child. (laughs) Oh my God. I have my, I've never, I was not prepared for the magnificent, beautiful, um, I was going to say one word, but I'm gonna not swear. Um, The thank you. It's insanity. It is, but it's beautiful insanity. And she brings a lot of joy into my life. Um, It's immeasurable. But holy moly, like I sometimes, I'm 40 years old, and I'm thinking, like, oh my god, I could have packed up to go on an airplane ride just not 10 months ago, those days are dead. Mm -hmm. So I just want people out there to heed my warning (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in regards to being a new mom um, and struggling to get to become a mom. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote a lot about it. I've talked about it. I was um, struggling with infertility for, uh, a few years, we, I thought it would be really easy to make a baby. You know, we try so hard not to get pregnant for a long time. And then you're like, I'm ready. Let's make love. And it did <laughs> not pan out like that at all. There was a lot of self-advocacy with my doctors. I ended up having to have a, um, a laparoscopic surgery for endometriosis. And that is really where I like to bring my personal story and platform because doctors don't look at endometriosis as a, like a real thing. It's like you're in pain, take some Tylenol. So for 20 years with horrendous cramping suffered, and suffered, sorry. oh, I suffered tremendously. And I know a lot of women do out there. And I, I just, my message just as always, if you have a young woman in your life telling you that you, that she is experiencing bad cramps, we can't write her off and just say like, that's normal. Go put on a heating pad. Cause it's so not normal. And what's going to happen is later in her life, if she does want to have children, it can, pr- it can be a very problematic situation for her so you have to find a a, the doctor that will actually listen to her and explore um ways to see if she needs to be treated for endometriosis endometriosis or pcos i mean there's a lot out there and yeah but we finally we we got a little test tube baby and we're loving every minute of it even when it's insane even at four o'clock this morning when i'm
1: like shuffling like an apparition down my hallway she's screaming i'm like here i come So, and that's something. my that, life now. It is. And the four of us can bond in these ways because I, you know, going I my oldest now is 20. Or no, 19, 20 next month. 20 this month, Todd. Wow. Oh, my jeez. Anyway. crazy. I know. So, right now she's 19. I'm going to hold on to it for a few weeks. Yep. 19, 18, and 14 are my kids. 15. And 15. Oh, my God. 15. Um, okay. Sorry.
3: I know. I feel like I've been
1: blessed with twins because I'm so bad with birthdays. I'm, I'm like, know. yes, I only need to remember. <laughs> and, and the names, too. I'll be like, Chasey, Jaycee, Cameron. Like, and they're like, Mom, you forget. Michelle I'm-. calls me Mia, her daughter, like every other second. <laughs> I know. It's just – and that's the thing is it's it's not even when I'm fried. It's just sometimes I'm like all the people I love, I just wish I had one word to describe them all. <laughs> hey, um, you. Hey, this one. Um <laughs> But I really do – I relate to everything you're saying is that when I start – when I had a baby, uh, you know, 20 years ago, I started writing about what an identity crisis I had and I was kind of um, miserable and blessed at the same time. Mm -hmm. I was like so in love and so like could feel my insides changing. It's like you can feel all your neural pathways changing. You're like I'm becoming this person that I'm very excited about and you're also – I was grieving the loss of my career, the loss of my like freedom, the amount of Mm -hmm. arguments Todd and I had about freedom, you know, Mm -hmm. I was just angry with him because he was just, and this is 20 years ago, he was doing what we didn't have language like emotional labor and invisible labor yet, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was just so angry. So I really writing really helped me work through that. And, and both of you are writers, Yes. That's correct. Yes. Well, I think
3: she's a good writer. I always, I, I try
1: to write. That's what she I do. She is a very good writer. But <laughs> I, yes,
2: we both write um, for our blog as well as for the Hillgrove Avenue Magazine. We have a column.
1: And so do you, and I want to go to both of you, like Lauren, do you write, I, I know you, the two of you write about everything, but do you find that you are writing mostly about motherhood now and about your journey or do you get just as much joy writing about what's going on outside? I prefer to write
2: more
3: personal pieces yeah. that gives me a little bit more life. And I think Michelle can, it feels, oh, Michelle, do you feel the same way? Yeah, or do you well, want to write about like, I have yeah. to be inspired. Like if I'm not feeling it, I don't want to write it. And I'm not going to write about it mm-hmm. or it could be a real pain in the A to get through it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. whatever is inspiring at the moment. It's
2: very cathartic. And I'm sure Kathy, that's why you were doing that back then. Cause you're like, holy crap
3: where, who am I? What am I? I need to write all about it. (laughs) Yes. You guys, I like, I'm listening to you guys talk. I I think that when I went, when I had my twins, I think that I honestly went through a non-feeling journey. Like I went through it and I was just like sort of this vessel. I I worked until seven days before I delivered my Mm. twins and then they came and there was the C-section and, 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 and it was harder than it was insane. It was truly insane And I don't think I realized until later, like maybe 10 years later, how insane it actually was and how there, I, there was not as much, there wasn't any support really from, you know, post-birth or anything like that. I just looking back, I'm like, I can't believe that I went home after that and just became a mother. Mm -hmm. Are you guys
0: both married to men? Is that what's going on? Yes. How did your husbands do? Uh, I know I did, I gave myself maybe a C minus when my kids showed up. I, Wait, do you
2: mean like in the hospital, Todd, or general, like in general? <laughs> like, you know, I'm
0: like, I went back to work two days later and I was fine and nothing changed. And I could still go get drunk with my friends and I could still travel for work. And Kathy's whole mm-hmm. world flipped upside down. And I see some of these yeah. men now in 2023 and they're so loving and so nurturing. There's a part of me is like, God, I wish I could do that over again because I would have done it so differently. So I guess we'll start with you, Michelle. How did your husband do? Uh, Cause that was how many years ago? 14,
3: 14. You know, I think he had no choice to be hands on because there were two, yeah. you know, right. he had the twins. So he was really in, involved, but I also remember remembering him going to work and like working later than he normally would. And I was like, Hey dude, um I and I'm not one to beg my husband to come home pretty independent pretty good to go you know and I was like I need I need I need you here now like so I they think that there was a little bit of avoidance mm-hmm. you know but um for the most part he kind of had no he, he he Ryan's he's pretty hands-on
0: yeah Lauren hands-on. same question to you
3: um Anthony and I when we decided
1: to start doing this um hey everybody Are you looking for a way to entertain your kids in the car or maybe just a way to wind them down before bed? Then you've got to try Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. But really, it's for everybody because, Todd, you and I were using it in the car ourselves.
0: We did. Here is an example of the trivia that we did. So, sweetie, you ready for a trivia question? I am ready. True or false? the smallest bones in your body are in your ear
1: true true i think i'm almost positive
0: that's true they're called the hammer anvil and stirrup bones and are about the size of an eyelash isn't anvil the big weight that went on the wild coyote yeah it's weird fell
1: on people's heads so
0: apparently anvil has multiple meanings which i didn't know
1: Pinna provides a reliable routine you can stick with and something you can engage with daily or weekly.
0: Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily car trips to and from school or for weekend getaways. Uh, One of my favorite parts, it's ad free and there it's screen free entertainment.
1: It's a routine the kids can look forward to and we look forward to, and it makes car rides more enjoyable for everybody. PINNA is offering our listeners one year of PINNA for 50% off. Just head to pinna.fm slash promo to sign up and use code ZPR at checkout. That's P-I-N-N-A dot F-M slash promo.
0: So it's only 35 bucks for the whole year with our discount. So you can't go wrong. PINNA, awesome audio for kids. And now on with the show
2: when we decided to start doing this um it was agreed that this was a very um going to be a team thing this wasn't going to be like I'm taking the brunt of everything and I'm I'm a soul mother you know I'm like doing this myself so he's very very hands-on he's obsessed he might like her more than he likes me but (laughs) it's really really cute um and we are we worked really hard to be a um a team when it comes to all things, but especially this, I wouldn't have had a baby, honestly, if mm-hmm. I didn't think the partner was going to be a 50, 50 with me.
0: Yeah. Um, and then just kind of word of caution, any but let's listeners. Be honest, out there, it's
2: not 50, 50. I'm just going to, yeah. Talk right. Out there. Never will yeah, be. You, like you pushed 80, a baby
0: <laughs> through your body and but he does we try. never had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find myself and it's funny. I have a bunch of friends and we like do stuff like go clean the garage as if we're helping people. By but that's the a
2: huge
1: help, man. I, Sweeney, I would love cleaning a few the people in my
0: house right now. Sweetie, what do you think about when I went and cleaned the garage?
1: So what I will say is, these again layered. I don't have uh, because Lawrence, <laughs> right? Depending on if it needs to be cleaned up. Talk about seasons, right? You know, in the summer <laughs> you got crap everywhere, and then in the winter you need that thing cleaned out. You know, so I totally get that. Relatively, what I think Todd would do is very similar to what Michelle was saying, where he'd be like, "It's Saturday morning. I'm going to go clean the garage for four hours, and <laughs> he'd wear earphones, and I would yeah. be like with three children." <laughs> And I'm like, okay, Saturday feels like Tuesday. Like yeah. there's no this weekend, but it he's like Right, every it all blends. And and I think that we had to have discussions about I want to clean the garage then.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. I like
1: that. Yeah. That's kind of a great idea. Yeah.
0: Well, and for me, it was just an easy escape. I pretended of I was course. actually doing something that was helpful. Kathy didn't really care if the garage was clean or messy, but I'm like, well, I cleaned the garage today, so you know, <laughs> check that off the list. So, anyways.
1: It's like in that in the feeling that I wanted is um the the feeling that you lose when you become a parent is of completing something right because it's constantly ongoing i mean i used to be a therapist in a hospital and while that was going on and on and on i could at the end of the day write a report lock my office door and be like i'm done until tomorrow i did a good job i went to the meetings and you know that's just the way we feel as a parent it's it's so ongoing you don't even sleep it's ongoing there's no end I'm saying things that we all know as parents but that was the I wanted that kind of like time to do something like clean the basement and complete Mm -hmm. a task or I'm just going to do laundry and not like stop 80 times to pick up a kid I missed that Mm.
2: I will say that there's another part of like the Scandinavian countries that also I admire. Michelle and I both look in their direction when we're seeing what kind of postpartum care they receive, what mm-hmm. kind of uh, child care they receive, maternity leave, paternity leave. I mean, we are at the bottom of the bucket when mm-hmm. it comes to treatment of new moms, new families, families in need. And so we've got our eye on them. We And I'm just really inspired by what other countries do and as a new mom, I see what countries don't do for us. Like Michelle said, the fact that we leave the hospital with a baby and not a therapy appointment, not a pelvic floor, ther- physical therapy appointment to check what the region where we held a baby, what the health of that looks like. So that 10, 20, 30 years from now, we aren't suffering from prolapse or urination when we sneeze or have a good time laughing with our friends. We're just kind of left to see like, best of luck. Or we <laughs> have Call us
3: when you're really in the deeps and you're losing yeah. your mind yeah. you and have you're needing to be hospital. I mean, it's a joke. You have to dig and look to find stuff to advocate for yourself so you don't have to
1: go to a rest home
3: when you've lost your yourself in the process, yeah.
1: Well, and this is why I love you too, and you talk about these things because you're right, you guys. I can't sneeze or laugh, the truth. without right. peeing. I can't when you know Todd and I for his birthday he makes us all play sports, um, and I will. <laughs> so it's like he's like it's my birthday. We're playing kickball or whatever. When I run those <laughs> That's bases, fun. He's the bad man out. He gets I, one day a year. He does to make <laughs> ladies play some sports. He does. And, and we fa- I all get have Father's to play. Day
0: too. I yes. get Father's Day and okay. my birthday.
1: And I used to play, you know. Uh, softball. I I used to do athletic things, and I run two bases, and I'm like, I gotta go home. I gotta change clothes. I have to wear like a diaper. Like what? Do-? And yeah. these are things that we kind of laugh about, and for good but reason. But it's not funny. But it's not funny. Kathy, I-
2: have you seen a public floor physical therapist yet? No. You have to go see one, and you have to have them figure out why that's happening because they will, it's very invasive. It's, it's external and internal, but these people are, and they're, they're not everywhere you have. I will give you the number of uh, mine. She is phenomenal and we're learning why they can go in there and find out what's going on. I mean, this is, you are not living a nerd. That's not a normal thing. And we do, we, we make it as if like, we're women, we should pee in our pants when we laugh. (laughs) It's a joke. Like that is that in itself is a joke that we laugh that we birth children and now we pee our pants
0: right well sweetie didn't you one of, didn't one of your friends like if she just she didn't have to run or do anything she just
1: yeah one of my girlfriends got the surgery the yeah, um the mesh the mesh was like the, the bladder slinger yes whatever. and how'd that go you know, she did it probably eight years ago. I don't. I remember she was grateful to get it and insurance was going to cover it because it was causing so much of a an issue in other of areas. Um, yeah. But Because isn't that funny? That's something we have to like demonstrate. It It's a pain to pee all the time. You know, yes, like nobody believes us. Be. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't know what the long-term effects have been. I'll ask her.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. I'll ask her. Um, I,
0: I feel like switching to Alzheimer's I'm dementia. Ready. I'm ready. What's, yes. uh, I should know this and maybe I know you're none of the three of these women are doctors. Is one an umbrella, Alzheimer's, dementia, I get it confused. Is one like kind of a more general term and dementia is within the Alzheimer's or is it vice versa or do you guys know?
2: God, that's a great question, I,
1: Michelle. You I, well, know. I thought they were two separate things.
0: Two completely separate things.
1: I think if I were to think about this clinically, like when you read about it, the big umbrella is dementia, right? Big umbrella. Mm. But there's a lot of different ways. Sometimes dementia can be like a traumatic brain injury that had nothing uh-huh. to do with your genetics or whatever. And then under that is Alzheimer's. My mom had Lewy body dementia. Your mom had... Frontal a, temporal. Frontal temporal. temporal. Yeah. yeah. And and they all come like they look different under the microscope or on a scan. You mm-hmm. end up having the same kind of experiences. But you know, like my so first of all, how long ago did your mom pass away?
3: It'll be four years, April nineteenth. She years? died in twenty nineteen. wow, that's more recent than I thought. Mm-hmm. And she was sixty seven and diagnosed at like sixty three. Yeah. like sick for several years before.
1: How did you know? L- Just tell us that that journey from from your mom being your mom to diagnosis.
3: We started to notice behavior changes and physical changes like um she started to uh, be less talkative and withdrawn and at one point she w- when it was really to the point where we were like something's going on. there's there's a whole host of stories that i'm i'm not going to share that will sure. confuse this whole thing but um she was starting to look disheveled and unkempt like she was wearing clothes with holes in them and like seemed like she was like like had the inability to care for herself at all so it got to a point where it got we were like we had you she wasn't coming forth She was not forthright with any changes she was noticing in her own brain. So we really had to kind of drag her to get a diagnosis to also just put that out there though. And we don't
2: have to go into details, but like car accidents, um, she was also living with a, uh, an individual who was basically like a con artist that they, he, she met online. I mean, really, really bad, bad Mm -hmm. Mm decision-making and, um, being, mindful of other people's safety we realized that her crashing into a mailbox a school box like this isn't just like I just say school box I'm in a school bus school bus I know what what I meant (laughs) um we knew that there this was becoming very risky so that's when we decided we had to go and I think the first step was I took her to a neuropsychiatrist Mm -hmm. and that was an interesting appointment. I mean, we were looking at like photos of Marilyn Monroe and they're like, who is this? And then they were asking her to do math problems. I'm like, oh boy, that's not going to no, know. There's no one in our family that can do math. So we're all screwed. If that's how we that's <laughs> are great. diagnosed with the men- I'm written, oh, sorry, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> Mark that. I don't want a timestamp on that one. Um, but I
1: feel like we just knew to take action. So that's really where it all started. Yeah. And so so one thing that is just a piece that, you know, you just explained it, Lauren, but that people don't understand is this shift, this this also happened with my dad. My dad uh, got sick very early and he had more physical disability. So I had, I think I told you guys this, but I had the two extremes. I had a father who had cardiovascular disease and he had had a stroke and a heart attack and yep. he couldn't speak uh, very well. And so we took care of him for a very long time, like 17 years, but he was completely, oh, wow. yeah. He was like cognitively all there, but physically wow. deteriorating. It's like ALS. Was he able to
3: live independently?
1: Exactly, he no. Live- he, he did in- for a period of time. Like sometimes right. when I give that big 17 years, it wasn't like every day. Yeah, your
0: dad's biggest cognitive problem was aphasia, so yeah. he couldn't get it out. But he was one hundred percent there. Whereas Kathy's mom's her her brain yeah. just kind of left,
1: We're vacant. Exactly. And so when he died, similar to the experience you had, where my sister and I started to notice right when he was getting close to death, that my mom got a little goofy. And we were like chalking that up to grief, Mm -hmm. right? Because grief, we all know we're we're a little goofy with grief. Like we're weird, Mm -hmm. you know, all over the place. So my, you know, she just, my mom was a school teacher. She was pretty stoic. She was pretty reserved. She was one of those like kindness, always people. And then all of a sudden she would start to make like kind of crass comments or not necessarily crass, but just like goofy you yeah, can totally understand. You know, and so my yes. sister and I at first were like, well, it's grief. And then a year or two went by and she went to the neurologist and she had dementia. But I, one of the things that that shift in the parent kid role, um, oh. I remember sitting with her the first time as she did that neurological test. And it's quite um, upsetting.
3: Oh, it's, yeah. it's
1: traumatizing. It de- is. It's,
3: dev- it's devastating. It's devastating. I mean, mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. It's mm-hmm. heartbreaking.
1: Like, when do you remember?
3: When we came home from that day, I mean, this is so sad, but I drew the, the time Lauren's telling you about. I drove my mom home. I think she wet herself in yes. my car on the way back. Yes. So I was just choking on my sadness mm-hmm. in the car. Mm-hmm. I was, she was still living at home without care at that point. There was such guilt about we had to move fast and we're finally we were very close to getting an answer at that point. But I came home after that day. I like looked at Ryan and
1: I just plopped myself down and slept for mm. oh yeah. Just sad. Sad. So sad. And they know, I remember because we, I I don't know, it sounds like you guys had four or five years of this because you have to go back to the neurologist every six months or every year and they do that test again. So you watch the deterioration just with the test, like draw this clock. What, you know, like you said, who is this? What is this? And you, and it's so procedural. And I know these doctors are doing the best they can, but my mom would look at me and be like, why are they making me do this? Mm -hmm. Because she felt they are, you know, even with dementia, they're different and they sometimes don't know you and there's all these things, but they still have this like emotional, like this is embarrassing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I remember when I had been, I was worried about her like hygiene and I, I I think I brought it up to Michelle and and Michelle brought it up to her. My mom got really mad at me. She was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. She was like, you don't think I shower. And Mm -hmm. I was heartbroken because Mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, we weren't of course, not picking fun. We were worried and we were Mm -hmm. curious and she was embarrassed by it. Um, But Michelle, you brought up a good point. And I wanted to um, just mention about the guilt. The guilt of dementia is so um, heavy. And I think that so many of us that have a loved one that goes through this, but one of the first things we start doing is think all the things that we did wrong or said wrong or didn't treat them right or didn't treat them the way they were supposed to be treated because we were so, you just don't know. Like before the diagnosis, I had to get... Um, really deep with my therapist to get over the guilt. I won't like three years ago, I would not be able to talk about this without crying and going into a really sad, dark place. So I'm at a much better place here. But um, I suffered tremendously in regards to how I felt because mothers and daughters have unique relationships. They can kind of go back and forth. They can Mm -hmm. poke, they can argue. And then I realized that I was arguing with a sick woman or I was saying things to her that I would have said to her when we were just kind of like going back and forth. But now I'm like, Oh my God, I actually came across as a horrible human being, a bad daughter. And I feel that with that aspect of the disease, you have to really forgive yourself because you don't know. And if you do know you have to still forgive yourself because it's hard. It's really, really hard. The similarities I see between raising an eight month old baby and a 67 year old woman diagnosed with dementia are mind blowing. She was our big baby. She was our big baby. We mm-hmm. spoon feeding diapers, showers. I mean, my mom, the greatest gift that I got from my mom besides life was understanding compassion, a bigger sense of compassion that I ever thought I'd ever have. And maternal, uh, maternal instincts. She helped me become the mother that I am today. Mm.
1: Mm. That's so beautiful. And that's that the it... truth. That and that is it is the the cycle. I, I I mean I've I have so many different directions I want to go because I am also you know before we started Michelle and Lauren both asked me how I was doing. And what I I said, I I told them I'm integrating, I'm trying to put all these pieces together and that's one of them, Lauren, is there is a, you feel like, for example, I can sit here so I would, my mom actually ended up in a memory care at one, at at some point, which she didn't love being in. That was a whole nother guilt thing, right? You know, like she didn't want to be there and she would say, you need to get me a car again, and you need to, you know, there's the, in it, it, it's dementia. We we look at it yeah. as irrational, but she doesn't know. She wants her car and wants all these things. And I would, you know, my my sister lived closer, but I'd be there one or two days a week. And my sister was there one or two days a week and everyone just traded off. And we, sh- you know, I would like feel overwhelmed and so uncomfortable driving there. And you feel bad that you feel bad going oh, to totally. see your parent. And then on and then the way you, home, I would feel good. Like, that was a good thing. I feel connected to my it. mom. I loved her. I did it. But that mm-hmm. was, think about how long we all did that. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well,
0: and you you would come home feeling a sense of relief, probably thinking, I don't have to go back for another a couple few days. days. right?
1: You, like, check that <laughs> off of your
2: calendar. So then
0: you feel bad about that. Yeah. Like, I should want to see my mom. And it's depressing to go see somebody that's struggling through this. It's the bottom oh, line. Oh, it's so
3: depressing. And then also, like, the caregiving aspect, like... That is like the single most exhausting, taxing, emotionally hard thing I've ever experienced next to taking care of new infant twins. Um, I mean, there were times when I was just utterly exhausted. And I mean, I've told the story on the podcast in a hundred ways to Sunday, but I mean, I would drive places and not even know how I got from point A to point B. Once I parked, I drove my husband's car to yoga Forgot that I drove his car, came out of yoga, looking for my Honda, couldn't find it, standing right in front of his car, Mm -hmm. called the police, Mm -hmm. called it and stolen. And then while the officer was there, was like, oh, my God, that's my (laughs) husband's car. And then I broke down and sobbed and snotted Mm -hmm. on Officer Friendly's chest Mm -hmm. while he helped me manage Mm -hmm. my utter exhaustion just from. But that was when I was like, oh, wait, hang on a second. You really can't take care of somebody if you don't take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. I know. And so that was the point where I was like, now something's got to give and you have to prioritize yourself or else the wheels are going to fall off the bus completely. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and that's how, again, another reason I feel so connected to the two of you is um, it, it was my sister and I, you know, my, it's my, my biological family is my mom, my dad, my sister and I, and we don't have a big family. I have an aunt cause my sister or my, my mom had a sister and then um, she didn't have any kids. And then my dad was an only child. So we're a very small yeah. family. And so my sister and I, you know, we've been caretaking my parents for a long time. And I, what would I've done without her? you know, like, what would we have, and, and not only that, but this is how I relate to the two of you. We agreed, like we had, you know, challenges along the way, but she had skills in certain areas. I had skills in certain areas. When she was gone, I'm like, I'm on it. When I was gone, she's like, I'm on it. We didn't, it, we, this was a family and we were the family, you know, and obviously Todd and my sister's husband were there too, but it's, it's our Mom, it's your parent. It's your yeah, right. It's my mom or my dad when it was my dad, you know. And so it's like there, the two of you. I mean, a big part of your work and obviously this experience with your mom was relying on each other.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. But there's others too. There, we have other siblings as well, and a brother and a father. I mean, there was a big. Our family small like yours, Kathy. But it's it's. I mean, we, there were other people that were involved. That after a while, and it was hard. It was hard for everyone to kind of reckon with the diagnosis, reckon with some past trauma that you may have had yes. with your mom who she was and you can't quite get past that with her being who she is so you got to work on that yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to like get in cahoots with her and like sort it out as mother daughter you got to really figure that one out on your own but once we all kind of decided yeah. like this is a team bless you this is a team it's time we've got a rally it really came together and it wasn't easy getting there yeah. um because there are different opinions it's and we're women and we all have and there's a brother but we joke that he's like rob kardashian because <laughs> i don't know if you know anything about that rob so but i mean yeah it takes whoever you can to be involved with the care of that loved one it's it makes a huge difference and we also um had caregivers so we had um, Zina and Flora were the two that were with us until the end. Um, Zina is Ukrainian and, um, Flora is Filipina and they are incredible human Filipina? beings. We, what's that? Filipina. What? I, well, isn't that how you say that? Is it,
1: Filipina.
3: it?
2: Oh, I thought if it's a woman, you say an A at the end.
3: We're
1: using I our Spanish skills. Yes.
3: I think that's for Italian and Spanish. Oh, well, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> in any
2: case, that's where she's from, but they're wonderful caregivers. And, um, they also played a huge role in the quality of our lives Oh my god! because the quality of our lives, you know, the, 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 the family members that can plummet real fast when you get a dementia diagnosis. So Michelle's right. You have to go to therapy or do whatever you have to do yoga. I don't care, but make sure it's a healthy version of self-care so that you can, um, be there. And I agree with you, Kathy, like going to your mom's house on those days can be really sad. Like when I would go, I I had to work on that though, so that I wasn't having like the drive of dread every single Sunday. Cause we were rotating Sundays. That's what we were doing. I remember now because we would give the caregivers that day off. So the sisters would be like puzzled in there and it's the worst diagnosis ever. But I found that if you can find Joy in the simple things like when my mom would like push my hair beti- behind my ear, or if I wore a skirt, she would pull my skirt down, like so it was towards my knee. She wasn't a very like extra modest woman, but whatever. <laughs> in her later You'll years, I guess it. she was, mm-hmm.
3: but I'll take it. somewhere. Hair, like, she would like tap my butt, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, you have to really yeah.
2: embrace those moments, or you're going to be in the darkness, the land of darkness the whole time. And most of it is sad, but there are those moments and the, you know, playing music for that loved one, you know, even having fun with them, however you can, it's, you just have to try hard to not be miserable for the remaining of the years of the loved one. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's I, hard to do, but it's possible. It is. And you, you're right. Like I, and again, these are all the pieces I'm trying to put together. Like I had mantras, I'd get in the car and I'd say, this is what I do. And I didn't mean that. Like, this yes. is what I do. I mean, like, this is what life is. These are the people mm-hmm. I love. I'm showing up. This is what I do. There's no right. question about it. And then music was a huge thing for Todd and I. We would drive around. She wouldn't talk or anything. We'd just play her favorite music. Yeah and we play we'd play war uh, at the end she could play war pretty well like well, you know well just
0: the card game or not a song called war no
2: not a song not not <laughs> well, you too at first
1: i thought you were talking about the band isn't there a band war but yeah. then the card game war is a great card game <laughs> it is and it was it and is. it was the most simple thing and she would not always know sometimes i'd sit with her and i'd be like mom put your king down whatever you know like you won that one and she would she would win sometimes and she would you know like for her like to like have a win and yeah, and celebrate won celebrate and we would have so much fun and then my favorite mom thing because like you said they really can't do you know she would she would listen to stories but is i would always give her a hug and i would like you know hug her for long periods of time or sit on the edge of the chair and she'd be like that's so nice Mm -hmm. you know like she it it didn't matter if it was me or anybody they they everyone needs to be touched you know i agree like i would do her nails and yeah mm -hmm. like
0: the touch penetrates the dementia. Like it gets past it.
2: Totally Todd.
0: And there's not many things you can do to penetrate the dementia. We played the Beatles for her in the car. It penetrated the dementia. And what I mean by that is she experienced it as if she didn't have it. Mm -hmm. Um and there may be some other things. And another thing that I want to bless you for Kathy is um I think a lot of people have a hard time Dealing with loved ones who are suffering, forgetting that their brain doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And you would walk in saying, hi, mom, it's me, Kathy, your daughter. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people would have a hard time with that. Like there's this presumption that she's supposed to know and you Mm -hmm. never Mm -hmm. wanted to put her in a position to feel like she had to figure out who you were no,
1: or, or confused or unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's, totally. That's the word ladies that I'd always use with her is I would say, um, if you know, I'd always say, mom, it's Kathy. I'm here. And she would kind of, sometimes this was at the end, but she would look around and I'd say, mom, you don't have to worry. I'm safe. We're family. And she'd be yes. like, Good you know, kind yeah. of like, I love that. Yeah. I, you know, we're all good. And I, I was very light at that. Like, that's the thing is like, it's so, I, I just love you two for having this conversation because it's so hard to understand unless you're in it and you, yeah. it is hard to get there. But then when you walk in, I would become this person where I'd be like, Hey mom, what's up? I'm like, it's Kathy. What, yes. You know, like yes. you join them in their. You meet them where they are. Thank you. Kathy,
2: I love that so much because that's kind of what, I mean, we were basically like a circus, like a clown circus towards the end. I mean, we were like, I mean, I think at one sister was flashing her once in a while. I mean, we were just, we, we had to do anything to get some sort of like, like Todd says, penetrate that dementia a little bit. And she would get, I mean, at the end there was, it was so much vacancy that those were like probably the hardest, um, parts of the experience, um, but there were those moments where you could get past that illness and get that laugh or get that giggle. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately, if you can keep, I just wrote an article for Hillgrove Avenue Magazine in response to a question on how to care for a loved one. And I did the three C's. Let me see if I can remember them. Um, comfortable, clean, cared for, and then the S for sit. For that C's apostrophe S is safe, mm-hmm. and if you can do all four of those things to the best of your ability for that individual, then you are really? doing a great job. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's the best you can do: safe, clean, comfortable, and cared for.
1: And those are the things my sister and I would would remind each other because sometimes you know you'd be there for two hours or three hours, and you'd leave, and you'd be like, I feel like I should stay, or I feel like I should come back, or I feel you're because you so, could be there twenty four seven, right? Of course. And, and my sister would. We didn't have those exact. the way you said them. So I appreciate the acronym, but we would say she is safe. Mm -hmm. You know, she has taken her shower today. She has eaten. She even had some, you know, she even had a little bit of interaction and, you know, we got her out and it's like, you have to be able to put it down and say, this is good for today. This Mm -hmm. is good for today, you know? And then I want to ask something. It's a little more, it's a little more of a dig in personal, but how did you know that your mom, because dementia is interesting with death, you know, how did you know your mom was about to die?
3: Oh, so I remember sitting in my office. I was still working downtown and I just had been I was going to bring up a little bit before. I don't know if you guys did you guys ever feel like you were detaching at one point? Like, did you ever towards the end ever feel yourself like it was the strange I, I was in combination with me having some struggles over recognizing I was like preparing for something that I knew was coming? And I guess it was me detaching or she was so vacant yeah. that i had just gone this like, yes i guess and but i i call, i called the i googled i i said i googled what does it look like when you're dying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. literally and it like checked all of the boxes and i took her for her last doctor's appointment she walked it was so hard getting her in the car it was the it was such a struggle and 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 he answered all of those same questions and kind of went down a list and said, this is where you are and it's time for hospice. And then Lauren, was it like, well, it was, it was very quick. It was like a week, I think seven
2: days. And I think from like, like when I was sitting with her, Kathy, I remember once we got this, this death diagnosis and it was time to start preparing for the crossover, if you will, Michelle alerted the family. So then we all started to like kind of prepare ourselves and prepare the situation. The bed was because she passed away at home. Yeah. Her her death was absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a really lucky, beautiful, fortunate experience. I mean, It was hard. It was horrible, but it was beautiful to be there with her. But I'll mm-hmm. never forget. I was sitting with her at the front of this um, part of the house that she would often sit. And I would say, like, watch the world go by while she just sat there. Mm-hmm. And her eyes got so big. She was so connected to me. And I was like, oh, this is it. Because I've read and I've heard that towards the end, they get really like almost tuned in. Some can. I mean, not all. Mm -hmm. But some can get really tuned in. I mean, she was making eye contact. And I was like, what is happening? Um, Michelle's friend, Jen, brought over. She knew that it was we were getting there so she brought over on accident just randomly avgolemono soup which was June's favorite it's a greek soup egg and lemon and rice and we fed her her last meal which mm-hmm. we didn't know was her last mm-hmm. meal but it started to go downhill from there and you know it's like an usher you have to usher she ushered us in and we were ushering her out and we say that like we labored her death because it was like two days of um yeah helping her, preparing her and telling her it's okay. I mean, my uncle was there. I remember uncle Ben was like, we got them June. Like, it's okay. You can go. I mean, there were people all over the room, mm-hmm. you know, giving their, like you, you got this and like really pumping her up because it mm-hmm. takes a lot of effort <laughs> to, to die sometimes, yeah. especially if you don't want to let go. And I'll yeah. never forget her best friend, Lee was there. And Lee was like, your yeah, girl's mom's not going to die with you guys here. Go get manicures. And we were like, oh, okay. I mean, we were at, we were desperate for her to, you know, make her next move. So we went and got manicures, but we came home and she was still there. And then that evening we all, I mean, the room was filled. It was like a living weight It was fun. It, awesome. it, awesome. it made me want, like I have now a part of who I want to be part of my, life. I would love to go and become a death doula. I plan yes. to do that this year mm. because I want to, it was a really life-changing experience to see her transition to the next phase. Mm.
1: I I hope you do. And I hope that you become a part of a lot of different networks where people start talking about these things way before yeah. these things happen in families. Mm-hmm. You know, we are going to lose people. There are of and it's part the of the ability to have those conversations. And that's, you know, I, I want to share this because I, um, Todd and I had an experience when his mom passed that we were all there. Um, with both of my parents, um, n- none of us were there, and we were there all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like with my mm-hmm. dad, like I said, seventeen years we were cared for my dad, and with my mom, we were there all the time, and we um, it, both of them died around the same time. Three. 3:30 a.m. Mm. in the middle of the like night, in the morning mm-hmm. or the day. Yeah, it, it was 3:30 in, in the at morning. Nighttime. Mm-hmm. Nighttime. Both of them died around the same time, and uh, wow, that's amazing. It, it is, and you know, both of them, we had experiences where, because you know, like you guys had, you're there all the time, and you're in the room, and it's it's a it's a very you know, we're talking about dementia, but we're all just talking about death overall. It's very strange to wait for someone you love to die. Totally because strange. the the feeling these are things we don't talk about that open because of course you need they need relief. You yeah. need relief because you're holding oh, yeah. your breath. And then I told I told Todd the day I we were sitting in my mom's room one day, I was just holding her hand and we were just waiting, you know, it was any day. And and I said, Todd, I just want this to be over and then tomorrow I wanna to call my mom. Mm-hmm. Like you want this, this to be over, but you don't want them to be gone. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And with dementia, as we know, they are gone for so much longer longer. than they're actually Mm -hmm. gone. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Death is oddly beautiful. I know it's so painful and it could be so traumatic, but you know, like you said, Kathy, none of us are escaping it. No. Mm. No.
0: Yeah. I get, um, so we've had who? My stepdad, my mom, your and my mom, parents. your dad. So we've we've been, you know, um, we've had front row to four of them. And wow. um, it's weirdly, I don't know how this will land, but I'm getting a little bit better at it. Like mm-hmm. first time, I'm like what? Like what? And that was like Cause we were when JC was born yeah. and I was 33 years old or I don't know how old I was when my stepdad died. Like I just felt like I was still like this kid and now I'm like this at least I try to be a mature adult, but there's these, um, there's these, I, 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 the story I make up, the judgment I have is we, and when you guys just told your story of how beautiful it was and you were there, I'm, I'm so grateful that you had that experience.
1: And we did with your mom too.
0: We were all there. We were all there, but there's this meaning that we want it to be a, we want to give the story meaning. And where I come out is this person is on their own journey and they're going to go with you, with you in the room, without you in the room, have a hard time breathing, eyes open, eyes shut. Like it's all yeah. them. It's and messy. It, and it's. Oh, it's messy. Ugly is oh, all ugly. get out. And it's beautiful. <laughs> I, I agree with the beauty, but it is ugly and terrifying and sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kind of, I don't know if Kathy said it, but the earlier we talk about this the better like we had i the, completely agree we did a podcast who's that frank guy that hospice nurse frank guy oh, that we yeah. love so much
1: the, the guy uh zen hospice
0: he, he oh. runs some outfit called zen hospice out in San so he's got like the most soothing boys and he's like we should be talking about this a lot more often than we do and and it's easy for us healthy people to say dad just talk about you your death like for all I know, when I'm 99 years old and I'm about to die, I may not want to talk about it. <laughs> um, it's just very convenient for for me as a healthy man to say we got to talk about it. I can't imagine how scary it is to know that the end is near. I, I, I will I, not that I'll never know it, but I don't know what that's like yet. So, mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah.
2: Well, I think about like when we give birth, a lot of women, myself included, you have a birth plan. You have an idea of what you would hope will happen and an agenda, if you will, or sounds or noise or music that you want incorporated. I think that, and I'm sure that this is maybe what death doulas and hospice workers and family members might do is come up with a death plan. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a terrible idea, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not sure how you might go and you might run into a situation where you don't have a say in it anymore. Mm Um, but you're right Todd it is very I, I don't mean to make light of death because it is ugly i mean the the there is the breathing and
3: like i mean i've got Are you going to tell the story oh my, which I one we need to tell the story really quick because <laughs> which one? I, the when mom's eyes were open and you, know, you guys <laughs> oh my god okay guys, I'm gonna this is say, this, this is where our family this goes. is why we're messed up because we find this funny this is well, why we could through it little june
2: passes away and you listen <laughs> i was sitting in the room at one point and june's there and peacefully at rest and but you know, she passed away with her eyes open, yeah. and I think maybe her mouth open a little bit. But I'm of the of I'm like, you know what? Let her be. She's this is how she's at rest. Let's let her be. And we had people coming and going, and literally, I mean, it was so stunning. Just saying goodbye, wailing,
3: doing all the well, things. Lauren turned into a chaplain. See what happened? Is my mom passed crossed over, and then Lauren was like basically like had like a holy towel over her arm. She'd go to the door. I'm so, so not religious. Lauren is not religious at all. She was blessing people, got oh, blessed who were so well, blessed. because I'm people
2: like, were coming in. I mean. It It was like that, though, because there were people knocking on the door. I was answering the door and people were coming because the word had spread. I mean, people we haven't seen in a long time were coming through the doors. And I would open the door. And I remember my friend Michelle Grecki, like, had her hands like this. And she was so scared to come in. And I'm like, is this your first time? And she's like, it is. And I'm like, just we are here. Do you want to see June? You don't have to. There are people out back. She's like, I need to say goodbye. And I'm like, well, I'm going to match you up with someone and you are going, and you're going to have a, a chaperone and they're going to be with you. But back to the, 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 after death part. So June's there doing her thing or has done her thing. And about a month later, we see a friend of ours, um, Carol King, who has um, passed and left us, who was a wonderful woman. And she says to me, it's us." Uh, she goes, girls, I gotta tell you something. I gotta be honest with you. And we're like, what is it, Carol? What could it be? <laughs> And now mind you, this is a woman who lost her son days before our mom died and showed up at June's house with mm. a bottle of wine the night she died to be there for us. This is wow. a greeting mother. And it's I mean, she was an incredible human being. And she says to us, listen, now, if I go the same way June does, I need you to do me a favor and close my damn eyes and my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> People are coming and going. And I was like. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna put that in my own oh death, dear, yeah. my death plan. Right. <laughs> Please
1: close eyes and mouth. Mm-hmm. There are the things we do for the dying and the things we do for the living. You know? Like there and that is it's just this very like you are living in the in-between. I've been trying to write something. Yes, you are. You're living in the in-between for so long, and then now there's such like a I'm I'm still trying to like figure all of this out because like what you said before you know, about my mom died, but my mom had been gone a long time. And I am now trying to piece all of those pieces of her back together. You know, mm. doing awake is so important because you bring out all the pictures and I'm, there's my mom when she had brown hair and there's my mom teaching and there, you know, I'm like putting her back together. But that mm. takes a lot of time. Like, you know, for you, for the two of you, it's been four years and I know it's still emotional and it's still and there is a that's kind of, you know, and I know we're coming to the end here, but that I think there. I think anybody who's had a journey with an illness has their own story, but dementia is its own animal. Like I really feel, you know, nothing, no, no death story is good or bad. It's just dementia. You lose them in a really different way. Um, And I -hmm. I feel very connected to your experience because of that.
0: And um, at the risk of extending the show, because I find this discussion really interesting and probably not talked about enough. And one thing, so my mom died, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. She died very quickly, Surprisingly, of cancer, but she we checked her in the hospital on Wednesday. She died on Saturday, and mm. my mom's like, You know, what she was still talking Wednesday, Thursday, but then by Friday, she wasn't talking anymore. And she's like, Nobody, just you, your sister, your brother, and nobody. that's it, nobody else. And we had a one, we had Frank, and my dad showed up, which is a whole nother story because they're divorced. <laughs> but, um, these I understand those stories, you know, Norwegian women. We're like, we got to come see your mom. They've known my mom longer than I have. And I was respecting my mom's wishes, which was no, no nobody, one. nobody. And there's a part of me, I, I think I made the right decision. It wasn't just me as my brother, and my sister making that decision. And, uh, but I, I guess I one one thing I wish I could have done better is like empathize with their experience mm. because their experience and, uh, was mm-hmm. that they couldn't say goodbye. And mm-hmm. I feel really sad for them. Mm -hmm. And I think I made the right decision.
2: Mm -hmm. You made, you know what they say, you made the best decision with what you knew at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And now you get to experience what you feel that decision is like. I mean, it's, listen, like death is dirty. Mm -hmm. It is so hard. People want to say goodbye. Some people don't. And, we all go through life in our own way. Mm. Exactly.
1: And how do you make any, you know, and that's that's kind of what I mean about after someone passes away. So ladies, this there's something that happened with my dad is he was sick for so long. And then when I, um he died and then I was doing, you know, doing my work, trying to, you know, going to therapy, doing all the things. But then I got like a really, really bad flu. This is pre-COVID. So I did, everyone's like, did you have COVID? I'm like, no, it was long time." <laughs> ago. But I got so sick. I was sick for a month, and it was all respiratory. You know, because grief lives in our lungs, mm-hmm. and in the yes, the lungs. That. Grief lives in the lungs. It's like I didn't a, know that. Yeah, and it, like for example, I always tell this story, but it gives you an idea. Like you know. Christopher Reeve's wife died of lung cancer and never smoked a cigarette the day in her a day in her life. But you know, grief, grief. You know, it just lives in there. And so I had this respiratory illness that went on for so long, and I was I couldn't breathe. I was coughing. It was scary. Neurological it got really wacky. And after it was over, I mean, I wasn't in the midst of it going, oh, I'm grieving my dad. But after it was over, I was like, that was a lot of shit. I needed to get out of my body. Mm-hmm. Like that was a, that was lots of years of like holding because you got to keep going, man. You, when they're you know,
0: alive and they're sick, you got to keep showing up. You
1: keep showing up. You know, you like you said you 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 have your day you go and you may be sad but you keep going so I'm I'm hoping that in this process with my mom I hope I, I'm not looking for a flu or a sickness to get yeah. it out but I know it takes time and that's something that I would say to everyone you know listening is that the grief it, it, we all know this but I'll say it again grief is not linear grief is not five stages grief is not someone else's timeline um it it comes up it sneaks up on you man you, you know, yeah. I will say to someone, they'll say, how are you doing? I'm saying, I'm oh, pretty, I'm pretty okay. And then two hours later, I'm crying about something. I'm like, I kind of lied to that person, <laughs> but I was okay two hours ago, but I'm not now. I <laughs> like, the queen
3: of, well, I'll, I'll feel fine. I'll wake up and be fine. I mean, it's been four years, yeah. but I mean. I drive past this restaurant, the Grapevine in town, where my mom and I used to go to get Avgo lemono soup with my twins okay. when they were little. And every when I drive past it, I drive past it every day. Yeah. But this one particular day, just, I mean, choking on mm-hmm. my grief. Mm-hmm. I just, yes. I was overcome. Yes. I mean, I, you guys, I could, I don't cry every day over my mom anymore, but I do in these conversations. I mean, I could just open it up and let the floodgates go at any time. Mm.
1: Me too and that's the thing is that that's the other part it's brain body there's sometimes your brain is like I'm cooking I'm I'm doing great I'm going and then your body has an experience like you said it could be sensory it could be a smell like you know yeah. I you know going back to the you know the end in my mom's room we in you know and, and I feel like we'll have to save this for another podcast because we gotta let you go but the mystical experiences too I don't know if you had some of those yeah we're all nodding here tell me when you want us to come back right? on right let's do that <laughs> I started (laughs) writing them down, but like we, you know, so many, but like at the end, you know, we would be... We would just have the music going. Her room was so warm. Talk about huga. I loved mm-hmm. her room. I was like, I'm gonna miss my mom and I'm gonna miss this room because right. it was so warm and beautiful and had all her stuff. And and it, and all of a sudden, Barbara Streisand would come on, which is my mom's favorite singer. And or what was the thing that happened? Todd, I said a sentence and then it came up on the mm-hmm. TV. Oh, mm-hmm. so weird. It was like yeah. we are in something so superior. Like we totally. are so. I had a day where I was with my mom and I felt so alone. Todd was there, but I was crying and I said, I need everybody my dad, everyone who has died, her parents to come in here with me. I can't do this by myself. Like you, like you said, it's an ushering and I needed people who were not Mm. physically out, yes other elements i needed the you. other elements that's right i don't care that's the thing is i don't care what the words are like you i just needed the outside <laughs> the assistance ghosts. come you, on you need whoopi goldberg and patrick i Swayze. did
0: well and one thing <laughs> I did. one thing that one thing that helped you out sweetie was and i didn't it's so funny how you can be so close to something and not be aware of it um and maybe i'll start getting emotional i'm not sure but you started thinking about who's waiting for your mom yeah. on the other side yeah
1: i oh, started yeah. naming them
0: and it was just so beautiful.
1: Yeah. And and Todd's mom was one of those people that was in chaos. She did so well. Like, like I had two miscarriages, you know, struggled with some things. Like that. And her, his mom would be like, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Like she was just like woman in chaos. And so I was like, I just needed his mom mm-hmm. so bad mm-hmm. to help me with my mom because she would have been like, Jude's we got this, you can go, you know, but she's gone too, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, I need your mom in the room. Mm -hmm. I need, I need my dad. Obviously Mm -hmm. I need people who love her. So, you know, and again, sometimes we, we put the words screw it up because people think it's religious or it has to be this or has to be this. It's just all, we don't know. It's a mystery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Kathy, we totally have. Give uh, me, give me one. Just give me one. Before we go. Well, one of
2: the ones that I remember so much was she was reaching. Michelle, were you there when she was reaching? Mm-hmm. June was in bed and she kept, and she hasn't, she hadn't moved. She hadn't made a peep. She was literally just getting water like sponge yep. into her mouth. And all of a sudden, the most grandiose of movements we have seen her do in days, she just kept reaching forward in front of her and almost lifting up her body like this and then she would get so tired and this was very dramatic of her but she'd get so tired she'd like fall back onto her bed with her hand on her forehead like (laughs) a hollywood actress fainting but she did this like three times and we were and i mean just like you said everyone that had gone before her were just waiting for her Mm -hmm. literally i think of ghost the movie where that light shines Yeah. yeah It's like, they're just there. They're there. And you're just, you got to take that one last. Le- it's like she was reaching out for a hand and, and there are more, but I am with you. They're, they're helping us. They're helping us. I know sort they're so close. The
1: equation. And even this conversation, I always say to people, everyone we just talked about is here with us. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and hopefully uh, do you see how words screw it up? I just mean they're. I feel their energy. When I talk about Todd's mom, I feel her energy. My mom, of course, we're, this is all about her. And my dad is so ever present. Like they're, you, you form a new relationship, with the person who's gone. Like, don't, Mm -hmm. don't you feel like, obviously we miss their physical presence, but don't you feel like, you know, can we end on that? Like, can you, each of you say your new relationship with your mom now, do you, or or how you would explain that?
3: I actually am struggling with my new relationship with my mom only because I have a harder time spouting things out to her. Like, it feels weird for me to do that. I've had some experiences, but I, could, I can say after four years, I'm still navigating mm-hmm. that relationship. I feel her in moments and I know that she's around and I have some crazy things happen to me on the regular here. Um, but that's, that's something that I'm still, that's a process mm-hmm. that I'm still navigating. Mm-hmm.
1: I appreciate that.
3: How about you, Lauren? Anything?
2: I think through becoming a mother, I have a different relationship with her. Um, I feel I have... You know, all of our moms have done awesome things that we love and things that we would be like, you know what, I don't know if I'll bring that into the, (laughs) to the mix. And I've learned from that, like that, the things that like I disliked about my amazing mother, June. I'm not going to bring over the stuff that I loved, that I felt like she made my childhood so freaking awesome and special and made me feel special and loved that stuff's coming with me, you know? So I feel like the relationship I have with her now, if she were here, we would be having like really mother motherhood talks. And the thing that's been happening to me a lot lately, that's never happened. I don't think so since the four years she has died and it's because of Luna, Luna, June, June was my mom's name. And so we named her partially after June when Luna June does like something that just, you know, when you want to pick up your phone and text everyone, I have this crazy, it's not like, Oh, I wish I could call my mom. I reach for the phone to, to call her. And it's like this, it's almost like a tsunami wave takes me over. Mm -hmm. It's like, holy crap, I can't do that, but I want to. And that to me is really special that I even have that want Mm. to share Luna with June. So the the relationship with us has transitioned into my dead mom who I want to share my daughter with and who has taught me lessons that will help me be an awesome mom. Mm, That's so beautiful. The
0: good news is when we're dead and buried or or cremated, or whatever we're gonna do, <laughs> our kids are gonna be able to listen to us on our podcast. Like, yeah, I they, think about, oh, it, no, no, about Isn't that cool? Like, I would oh, love no. to hear my mom ha- on a podcast right Same. now, and I can't. Same. So I just gotta use my imagination. So
1: mm-hmm. I don't know if
0: it's a gift or or what, but I.
1: 700 episodes, yeah, Todd.
0: Yeah, yeah, get through them.
1: You got, my father
2: in law, and I'll quit, i on my, on a little joke on my end. Um, my father in law texted the family text this morning saying, hey, you guys, I told uh, Candy, my mother-in-law, that I would like to be cremated. Um, I have an appointment for next Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Or She made me an appointment for next (laughs)
0: Wednesday.
2: Just so everybody knows. Uh. Yeah. He's saying that she's going to expedite the yeah, process. Gonna make she's going to move it along.
1: Next
0: week. <laughs> so uh, your website is the sisterprojectblog.com. It'll be in the show notes. Um, Listen
1: to the podcast. Read what they write. Get on their newsletter. I get their newsletter, so I get everything oh, yeah, that's current. Oh,
2: yeah, it's so fun. It's so good. Thanks for reading it, Kathy. Oh. We put a, it takes a long-ass time to do that.
1: Every, and sometimes when I get it, I, I can't read it right then, so I put the flag. You know, like I have yeah. to go back to this because sometimes you I do want to take time with it. and then So... So podcast, get their newsletter, and then the candles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, ladies? What else do you want to share before we go? Yeah. Anything we're missing?
3: No, you guys nailed it. I just want to say I I absolutely thank you for having us on. I thoroughly enjoy my conversations with you, whether they're in passing at the local cafe. Or, like, I mean, here, I'd, I'd be fine if this went on for another hour. <laughs> Me too. Truly, it's, like, been really nice to get to know you guys and connect with you on this way. And for Kathy, for Lauren and I to be on a very short list of folks that you reached out to um, after yeah. your podcast, like, truly means, truly, truly means the world. And mm. um, we're here for you.
2: Yeah, and thanks for talking about death and dying because yeah. I mean, we I, dementia gets a lot of attention, and we need to keep that momentum going. But death and dying and grief and loss—I like Todd, you've said a couple times—it just does need to be talked about earlier and more
1: often. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I think you meet certain people at a certain time for a reason. And I, you know, I look at you know being introduced to you because I was getting my eyebrows waxed, um, and that that turned into where now I follow all your stuff, and my daughter has been so inspired by you, and I have your podcast, and then my mom has—I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, there's some. Something- something that just goes through the world that's just the universe can saying hey you guys <laughs> hey i'm here and that we all live close together not downers yep. grove you guys <laughs> live in chicago and <laughs> Park, but we do get to see you so we love you dearly um we love you guys we will thank you know stay in touch and we will do this again we're too close to not keep these conversations yeah. going let's
2: do that thank you for having us you guys Thank
0: you. uh we'll catch everybody on the next episode of zen parenting radio see you guys next week adios
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us.
0: You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.